What's up, podcast? I'm excited to start the week off with this interview with lineman Andrew Morris. And we're going to follow up this episode with Andrew. Um, This Friday, we're going to air an episode with his wife, Heather. Super excited about that as well. So lots of great stuff for you this week. Andrew is a, like I said, he's a lineman from the Northwest. Uh, Him and his wife, Heather, have started a company called Line Roots. If you're on IG, you probably follow them. If not, get on Instagram and go follow Line Roots NW. You can also find them at linerootsnw.com. They've got tons of great gear and you can find out. Well, if you listen to these episodes, you're going to find out all that they're about anyway. So this is is awesome. Before we get into it, let's get into our sponsors. So our sponsors are Tallman Equipment and Linestar Utility Supply. Since 1952, Tolman Equipment has been trusted by linemen to have the tools they need to get the job done right. From ACSR cutters to ZG6 chain hoists, auger bits to voltage testers, and every tool in between, you can trust Tolman to have it. Tolman Equipment, trusted by linemen since 1952. Find us online at tolmanequipment.com. And Linestar Utility Supply. Since 2005, your one-stop shop for alignment's tools and specialty equipment in Canada. With four offices across Canada, Surrey, Calgary, Winnipeg, and Mississauga. They also service the tools that they sell with warranty and repair facilities at each location. Linestar is proud to be an authorized stocking distributor for classic connectors and their great Clampstar Splice Repair product line. For more information, please reach out to the nearest office for expert help or visit them online at linestar.ca. One more thing before we get into the episode, uh, I've been getting the question a bit like, Ryan, how do I leave a review or how do I click on a star rating for you? Well, if you're listening to this on an Apple device, uh, you go into iTunes, I'm trying to make a push on iTunes. So if you, if you go into Apple podcast, into the app, it's the purple app, click it in there, find my podcast, click on my podcast, scroll all the way to the bottom. You'll see a little box that says write a review and you'll see one through five stars that you can just click. Click one through five stars, whatever you're feeling drawn to click on, leave a comment. That would mean the world to me. It really helps the show uh, promote and that's what this is all about. So if you guys could take 90 seconds out of your day to do that for me, I'd super appreciate it. All right, let's get into this episode with Andrew Morris. Enjoy. Andrew Morris, um, taking the time out of your day. Uh, I know <laughs> busy lineman, working, oh, yeah. running business, doing all sorts of stuff like that. Kids, family things happening so i appreciate your time in uh spending with us to record an episode yeah thanks ryan uh appreciate it glad to be on the show here um yeah very busy guy um yeah i work the the night crew down here in southwest washington and it's it's a very very busy schedule for me especially with trying to run things with line routes manage my family life and work a full-time job on top of it yeah man what's uh what's going on with the night shift right now so with the night shift i work uh one to nine p.m uh, we're called the swing crew so for five months out of the year 
we do just kind of like outage response. Um, so it's like more troubleshooting work and stuff like that. Uh, we do like car hit pulls. They give us little jobs that we can pull off of to go respond to outages quicker because customer service is huge with the utility that I work at. Right. So, so do they run, do they run like Troubleman as well? Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. They run Troubleman as well, but we're just the, uh, the offset crew because it seems like more of our outages come in during that time frame. Gotcha. Typical so you're, yeah, you're working nights or weekends. Exactly. And me, I feel like all I do is work. I, I, uh, I answer the phone a lot and I average about 800 hours of overtime a year. So yeah. it's, uh, yeah, it keeps me busy. That's for sure. When I was, when I was back, when I was on the tools about four or five years, five years ago now, um, my last probably eight years, um, I spent about 300 days a year on the road and just long, crazy, crazy hours. So I get yeah. it. I get yeah. it. Not, I didn't work too much night shift just unless, the, unless there was outages or, you know, special situations, call outs, trouble calls, shit like that. But, um, that yeah. would be, that would be, uh, how do you find a like sleep schedule? And like, you got two little kids, two little kids now. Uh, yeah, I got two little kids, uh, two girls actually to be exact. Uh, wow. yeah, I got a three year old Aspen and a year and a half old Isla. And it's kind of crazy. Uh, yeah, working the, the night shift one to 9 PM. It's like when I have a family at home, I, I wake up around five thirty, six o'clock in the morning, every morning as is. Yeah. And then I work these long hours. It's like just the day, the days they, they run into each other and it's just like a vicious cycle, you know, like you just lose track of days. What day is it? And so what's your, what's your, like, what's your draw to this shift? Like why, why are you working this shift? Is it just like what you're, what you're dealt right now? Or did you have a choice or I had a, so me, so one of the, the good things about it was I, when I started with this utility here, I, uh, I was on day shift and a night crew spot opened up. It's an additional 5% pay increase too. Okay. And, uh, also like you, everything is seniority based here mm. and coming from construction, uh, it didn't matter about seniority doesn't really matter in construction. No, no. So by me coming onto this night shift, instead of being in the other pool of like 30 guys, when it comes to like vacation time and stuff like that, I, it's only between the other two guys that I work with. So I get all the vacation time that I want. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's that it has its benefits for those reasons there. And that's kind of one of the things that. So that's probably the, that's probably the, um, that's probably the draw for that sort of shift, no matter where you are. Like I can't, I don't imagine you've worked that shift at any other utility or, or place in the country, but I imagine it's probably similar at, at most places you get those kind of opportunities. Cause the reason I was asking about that and just like for anyone 
listening is they have those questions and I get those DMs sometimes too, just asking those questions about the differences between working construction or working utility or working what, depending on the shift, night shift, day shift, whatever. So, um, yeah, I don't always have the answer for that because I've, I've only talked to people that have worked it. I never worked it myself. So I don't, I don't really know, but yeah. And then another thing, like there's some other advantages, like I can leave my tools on that truck. You know what I mean? And mm. I don't have to rotate trucks every day. You know, so it's like, I don't know, for some people that work at utilities, they know where I'm coming from, or you pull the tools off the truck because you never know what crew you're going to be on. And that's one of the things that I, it kind of reminds me of construction. You know where you're going to be the next day. That was one of the biggest, that was one of the biggest things. Actually, like, I think most linemen are like that. If they could leave their, if they could leave their shit on one vehicle, on one bucket or one digger or whatever that you got, um, they would prefer that because then they, they're just like every lineman. You start decking it out for yourself, right? Like I know Actually, management, management always likes to say like, you know, a truck's a truck, whatever, just go use the freaking thing. But yep. it's not, <laughs> you no. got your tools in a special spot <laughs> and it's like, you, you like your shit dialed in. Right. But, yeah. uh, they don't Actually, always see it, see it that way, but that's pretty cool. Yeah. You, yeah that my, was one of the, sorry, go ahead. Oh yeah. So like my night crew, my bucket truck, it's, it looks like when I pull all my gear off of there and put on, put my tools on the shopping cart, it's it look, my shopping cart looks like a homeless camp almost, you know, <laughs> 14 there, orange bags. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I don't like pulling those tools off all the time. So. No, no. That was one of the biggest downsides. I come from a small, uh, small contracting, like my father, was um owned his own contracting business power line contracting business and i started with him and throughout my apprenticeship and throughout my time as a lineman with his company it was maybe max four crews you know maybe maybe got up to five crews max like five three four man crews but those are just during busy times but you tend to, to have your truck or if you didn't you only had like a choice of three or four trucks. So everyone's was pretty dialed out. And then we moved to a bigger, we, we sold out and went to a bigger company and, and then you go to work in the city. And like you said, there's 22, 24 distribution crews and everyone's swapping trucks every morning. And it just, it was a, like, it was a bunch to wrap your head around at the start, but yeah. you fall into the groove, but it was a bunch to wrap your head around for sure. Yeah. That's, that's one thing that you have to do is lime and you adjust to, all the different environments that you work in and everything else and stuff falls into place. So, so how are you guys, uh, how are you guys managing the chaos in the U S at the moment? Like I was listening, I, I got up early this morning and, um, hit the elliptical and, I uh, was watching Joe Rogan talk to, uh, John Stewart <laughs> and, um, it just seems like it's it's strange times in the U.S. right now, <laughs> almost stranger than ever. Oh no, definitely it's uh, yeah, strange times. It's even like the workload as far like at the utility. It's like it seems like it's slowing down. I don't know if it's because it's like an election year down here too. It's it's definitely uh, crazy times. Like I, I'm like a conspiracy kind of person, and I feel like there's like hidden agenda behind everything that's going on you know and 
as far as like the COVID and all that stuff, like our, our work policy, our, uh, procedures are just getting more strict. There's certain, even though it's like, we're in the same County, we're in Clark County down here. Uh, mm-hmm. that's where our utility is out of. And you go and you work in these different towns in Clark County and they have different policies where you have to wear a mask full time, no matter what, right when it started. And then you go work another town over and then there's like, there's no mask law, you know what I mean? And yeah, it's uh, yeah, just weird, weird times. That's for sure. Um, they finally, they made these tailboard forms for us where if, they deem that the job is more of a hazard with a mask, then we don't have to wear one. You know, right? right. That's <laughs> actually breathe through your. And it's because, like, these FR masks that we have, they're kind of like heavy and it's almost like they found a bunch of FR from when FR first came out and they made yeah. a bunch of masks out of them. They're all stiff. You know what I mean? It's. I think the whole thing is, yeah, it's been, it's almost been beat to death and I'm like tired. I'm just tired of it. Like, and I think a lot of, a lot of people are just absolutely just tired of it. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, just do what you got to do to get this thing done with. But then you can't even, you can't even believe anybody in anything that's said because you really got to dig deep almost into like, you say you're conspiracy theorist, but it's not even conspiracy. All you're doing, uh, digging into is fringe media, but that's where all the truth lies right now, but you still have to filter through it. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's so much of that out there. And it's like, it's like, what do you believe? Like what's real, what's not, you know? And it's, yeah, I'm, I'm ready for times to get back to normal. I'm ready to go, go on a plane somewhere, get away for a little while and relax. That's for sure. Heck yeah. At least you guys have some options for, um, getting into the sunshine in in the u.s yeah we got we got nothing here <laughs> yeah you know what it's it's raining up here right or down here right now so it doesn't even feel like july so usually we've had a, at least a couple hundred degree days by now and it's it's raining so yeah same in vancouver yeah so where's um where's home where'd you grow up uh, so I actually grew up, I was born in, uh, Juneau, Alaska. That's kind of, no way. yeah, uh, born in Juneau. Um, we, my dad, he was a logger his whole life and, uh, we lived on Admiralty Island in a town. It's called Cube Cove and it is a logging camp around 200 people were on that uh island at like all times and it's just kind of crazy growing up that way we used to have our groceries flown in by a bush plane you know what i mean and yeah and we'd order like our groceries at a month at a time and pretty much grew up in the middle of nowhere in alaska um lived there till i was around five years old and then we moved to uh woodland washington is that like a, is that like a, a town that the, the, the mill or the sawmill company or a company owns, owns and kind of runs the town or how did that work? So it was uh Silver Bay logging 
was the okay. logging outfit that my dad worked for. And they pretty much, that was the, the main resource. That's what kept the town running was just the logging industry and shipping out logs and all that. And there was a, the only thing there was like, there was a little, there's a post office, um, a little convenience store, and then a bunkhouse where all the loggers would stay. So that was, yeah, there's nothing really to do besides uh, fishing. All, we lived off of just outdoor. Just, yeah, you just lived outdoors. That's lived off the land. I worked in um, a, a little a little town called uh, Churchill Falls in Labrador. And um, it's a Canadian province, uh, mm -hmm. northern Canadian province on the east coast. And Churchill Falls is right on the east coast. And it's a it's just a power generating station basically <laughs> um gener generates a lot of the power for the united states as, as well as the eastern part of canada and i i was talking to one of the linemen there he'd been there his whole life like he was his parents worked for churchill falls and then he started working there when he was a a teenager and you can stay there in the town as long as you're an employee yeah. But as soon as you're done as an employee, it's mandatory to move away. And he was he was coming up on retirement in two years, and he was really like uncertain about how he felt about moving away because his whole life has, had been spent in one small town doing the same thing you're talking about, just living living the outdoor life in a small community that was like the whole community is like your family. It's a, it's a small town. It's a run by the, the generation station. Um, so he was, he was really uncertain about how he felt about moving away, but he, he had to. So yeah. he was starting to buy a home in a different town and starting to build, build a house and do all the stuff up in lab city a, a little ways away. But it was kind of, it would be kind of surreal your whole life, you know, 50 plus years, 60 years spent in, one small community and you're forced to move out if that's not what you really want to do, but still have to, it's kind of strange. Yeah. That's huge. That's a, that, that's like detrimental to somebody's life. You know what I mean? Just not knowing any, any different. And it could be, it take a while to adjust to that. If you're not, if you've never done that before. hundred percent. So how did you, you grew up in a logging community. Um, how did you find power line work and when did that begin? So, getting into so uh let's see so yeah like i said we i moved when i was like five from there because uh, the logging industry right out of high school my dad went up there and he was there for shoot i don't know how many years doing that and that's kind of where our family started anyways i have a a brother and a sister um and once we all moved from there uh my parents they we had a summer house in a town called Cougar, Washington. And my parents, they started an automotive business. So my dad, he's, and mom, they're, they've kind of always been like entrepreneurs in a way and own their own businesses. And they, we started doing that. And then parents got divorced. And my dad started logging again, and that's where he kind of started his own logging company. And so he did that. He he more focused on like uh, 
I shouldn't say like it wasn't that big of a company. It was just a little logging outfit. He had a few people work for him, and he mainly did his own projects, like clearing for uh, subdivisions, stuff like that. Just little jobs, danger trees yep. near, and and uh, just kind of one thing started leading to another. Like uh, me in high school, I. I worked for him uh, on the weekends. I set chokers for him, uh, ran heavy equipment as far as like the skitter, yard yep. lawn, stuff like that. And kind of helped me uh, build my work, that work ethic that I have today as far as like working outside and stuff like that. And um, where, where this whole started, uh, me getting into the trade, uh, my brother, he's also a journeyman lineman as well. And one night, it, my mom and I we were driving on these back roads, and we seen a transformer on fire. And I thought it was one of the coolest things, just seeing that transformer <laughs> loading up at the top of the power poles on fire. And at that at that point, I didn't I didn't know what a lineman was. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I it's kind of funny. I actually worked for the company that we called in that transformer fire on now. So it's kind of a, this is a place I always want full to circle. Purple, <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah, it's kind of where I, where things started And that. And that when we called that transformer in, my brother wasn't even alignment at the time. Uh, it's just kind of weird how everything kind of fell into place. And I kind of followed my brother's footsteps, uh, getting into the trade. Um, he went through, so when things started, after I graduated high school, I was, I applied myself the day after I graduated because I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a dream lineman. When and, you were, when you were sourcing it out, was it just your brother that, that taught you about it? Or like, how did you, cause this is a, we're going to get into talking about young kids and apprenticeships and stuff going forward here too. So I get this asked this question tons and I'm sure you do as well. Um, like how do like, how do they find like so many kids, um, are looking for information about the trade and, and information so readily available now with the internet, but still about like on our trade, it's still not, you know, as available as trading shoes or some bullshit like that like yeah how did how did how did you figure it out and how did you figure out like this is what you wanted to do other than your brother or did you you just got it from him and went for it uh so i i kind of did it on my own my brother he actually helped me buy my first set of climbing tools and i got all my gear lined out to go to line school um but as far as like information like that, I just kind of, he went to Volta, which is a vocational outside line training academy. It's in Warrington, Oregon. I don't know if you've heard that before. I've heard, I've heard of it. Yeah. Um, so he was actually the first class to ever go through Volta. It was in 2005. And uh, I followed his footsteps moving forward through that class i didn't really ask too much information from him as far as getting into it like not that i can remember anyways but uh yeah i just 
I applied myself, uh, get back to like the day after I graduated. Um, I had a, I had this car, this Subaru WRX in high school nice. and my dad bought it for me and he told me that I need to sell my car to pay for my CDL and to pay for my line school. <laughs> I sold my car. I paid five grand to go through this CDL school, uh, 15 days after I graduated. Um, did that for about a month. It was like a month. It taught you the basics to everything, your pre-trip inspection, you know, hauling trailers, stuff like that. Just your basic CDL stuff. Um, and then I also, I went through first aid class CPR just to get all my ducks in a row because that's stuff that you have to have in the trade. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And then, uh, yeah. And then after that, I, uh, paid for my, for Volta and that was another like $5,000. So there's my car. And I found this other car. It was a 1985 Mercury Grand Marquis on the side of the road for $600. Perfect. And that thing was a boat. Let me tell you. <laughs> and that's what I drove back and forth from line school and to home. It, it was only four days a week and we were only about an hour and 45 minutes from uh, Volta to where I live right now. And that's just how I started. So this, is, this is what a lot of people don't want to hear. They don't want to hear. They don't want to hear it, but they ask the question and then they keep asking the question, expecting like a different answer. And I love this. Cause this is like, this is like what I wrote down to talk to you about. Um, more on the entrepreneur side, but it was just a question I was going to bring up, like, like willing to take a short term loss for a long term gain or legacy or thinking like macro versus micro, like long term versus short term. <clears throat> and I don't think that a lot of kids want to hear that. I know nobody really wants to hear that, but the sooner, the sooner you can grasp that. Exactly. The better off you're going to be um, in the long term. And it might mean like it might mean a decade of eating shit. But yeah. in the end, it's going to work out for you. That's where like it's kind of where I'm at right now with this um, with this podcast. <laughs> I just left um, a corporate job that I've probably could have sat at for another 30 years making really good money in an industry I love. Um, passion just wasn't quite there for it. And this is turning into something, but it's not something right now. Like it's something, but it's not something that's covering all my bills right now <laughs> oh, yeah. for, for damn sure. <laughs> but I am doing it. I'm taking, I'm taking a massive loss right now to be honest, mm -hmm. but I'm not even thinking about that. Like humbly, not even thinking about that, thinking about 10 years from now when this is something or taking a chance on that anyway, it yeah. might not even be something, but I'm going to, I'm going to give it my all. And that's the same as you're talking about with apprenticeship, like sell a WRX. Like that's like a lot of kids like dream car, 
No, exactly. You get it as you get it as your first car. You're like, fuck yeah, <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> and your dad turns around and says, Well, you need to sell that. And you're like, fuck, like, all right, but it's gonna be 10 years until I can get another one. Yeah, exactly. No, and that's that's like where my loss was, you know, like exactly like you mentioned. That was my dream car at the time. And then I had to sacrifice by selling that to get this beater and to pay my dues. That's yeah. I think right wording there. It, start paying my dues. And once and it's after I paid my dues, it, this trade has been amazing to me and my family and brought me to some amazing places. Uh, met a lot of great people, you know, and it's paid off. Well, I think a lot of, um, as well, like your, your dad's a, your father's a smart man, um, by giving you that advice and that work ethic that you talked about learning from a young age, I saw it a bit in, like, I grew up in a small town called Williams Lake in central British Columbia and it's a forestry and mining town. Um, <laughs> that was the resources there. There was five, six sawmills and lumber yards and, and plywood plants and everything was revolved around forestry and copper and gold mine. Um, mm -hmm. they mine a few other things there too, but, and I, I would have to say some of the best linemen I know and have worked with, um, came out of the, came out of the forestry industry and the mining industry, like work ethic was there. They run mm -hmm. insane hours, like insane. And they knew how to get up at three in the morning, two in the morning, they knew how to get up and drive three hours into the bush and run a skitter or a buncher or whatever for 10, 12 hours and drive home and do that seven days a week if they had to for four months. Yep. And they come into, you know, the power line industry and it's almost like, okay, yeah, it's, it's difficult. I got to learn a bunch of new things that are kind of freaky at first, but work ethic is hundred percent there. They know how to just get busy. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No. And it's like, uh, yeah. And the good work, work ethic. Uh, it's just like with the line industry, you got one thing there's, there's like so many different names for a tool, you know what I mean? And yeah. so much to take in as far as like getting in, you know, and, yeah, you're you're like a sponge when you first start, and that's that's one of the things that I love about this trade is you learn every day. There's no no job that's the same. Roger yeah. that. So you start going through a um, start going through your apprenticeship, and we were talking about this just before we hit record here. Um, but I think there's like a, a lot of valuable lessons from what I was taking down for notes there before we before we hit record for apprentices um, going through apprenticeship could learn a lot from things that you had to deal with through yours. So like walk us through your apprenticeship and then okay. uh, kind of what started to happen throughout, throughout the apprenticeship. Yeah. Sounds good. Uh, so yeah, here I, I went through Volta. Um, once I, we had this guest speaker from a company called Patelco come to line school and talk to us about this job that's going to be going on in Texas and Louisiana. And so many people in the class, they put in their resumes for this. 
and it was for it's called the PTC project and it PTC stands for positive train control so what it was was uh, we would set poles along the railroad and I happened to get selected for this project and uh, I was actually flew down I was signing uh, the union books uh, trying to find work anywhere after I graduated from Volta and just trying to keep applying myself because I didn't want to wait around, you know, just stay, uh, just keep going, you know, didn't want to pump the brakes and get lazy or anything like that because there's a lot of people I went to school with that at the time, they didn't know what they wanted to do, you know, and they were just waiting around at home, just like almost waiting for something to fall on their lap. And mm. I didn't want to be that person. So I, uh, um, I went to work in Texas for Patelco and we were doing like over a hundred hours a week, stepping poles along the railroad. It was like, it was out of local 89, which is a telecommunication union out of, uh, Tacoma, Washington. And here I am all the way down in Texas and Louisiana working at a local 89. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> I understand how that worked to this day. It's kind of, kind of weird, but, uh, yeah, no, it was just kind of just basic work. Uh, seven of us from that, our line school class went down there. All of us buddies, um, went down there and we were pretty much running the show like it was kind of crazy how they just threw us all right out of line school and here you go uh one of one of the guys out of line school is a foreman and setting poles along the railroad and crazy hours it was good uh good experience for just entry level work you know setting poles plumbing poles stuff like that um at the time we worked from san antonio texas all the way to baton rouge louisiana and i don't know how many poles that we said it was it was crazy but uh at the time it was only like for 12 bucks an hour and it kept this comes down to like just paying your dues again you know yeah uh, you gotta start somewhere and the uh as I was down there for about six months, I started to think like, I want to get into, I want to be a lineman, you know, like, yeah, this, I'm getting experience with these digger trucks and stuff like that, climbing and all that, but I want to get more involved in the trade. So I applied for the mountain States apprenticeship, um, in Denver, Colorado. And I got a call to go interview for Mountain States while I flew from Louisiana at the time. I interviewed in Mountain States and interview went good, all that stuff and all that. Just like, I think it was like a panel of six people, a few, uh, few from the hall there out of Colorado and few people that own companies 
and went back. I told interview went great. Uh, went back to Louisiana, and I was down there for a couple more months, and then I got an opportunity to go work as a groundman in Southern California. So here I am. I, I, I was about, I was 19 at the time, youngest guy down there. I couldn't go into a bar yet at the time. And couldn't even buy beer. Uh, we can. Uh, yeah. Just, I, just I, saying. I know, that's, <laughs> just got to throw that out there for all you Americans. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, I took, I jumped on that opportunity to go as a groundman and, Southern California and it was like then the real learning started being on I started in the uh, uh, the warehouse I was working for this company called diversified utilities out of Bakersfield California and here I am I'm thinking I'm going to be going to some nice place Uh, here I come from Texas and Louisiana and then roll into Bakersfield and I see oil rigs. I'm like, shoot, I'm coming right back to the same place. (laughs) Middle of summer. It's like 105 degrees every day. And it was just a scorcher. Uh, But it's, it comes down to paying your dues. You like you, you're not going to end up in a place that you want to be right away. You know what I mean? And it's all, it's always the pause you for a sec there too. Like just to add to that, it's always in those times, um, that you have the opportunity to learn the most and you never think that you're learning anything, but you are. <laughs> and that's where you should actually just take the time to learn. But I find the people always, I know I was probably the same way too, always wanting what was next? I want to be up in the air. I want to do this. I, I, I want to climb poles. Like just take a second, stop and learn what you can in the position that you're in. Like, I don't know if you're, you said you're in a warehouse, like what a great opportunity to learn about the material, learn the names for shit and the uses for things. Exactly. And, you know, and then when you get out to a truck and a lineman's yelling from a bucket to grab a whatever, you go to the bin and grab the whatever and throw it up to him. And he's like, huh, shit. Kid knows what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> Surprise yeah. the hell out of me. Exactly. So, yeah. And I feel like that was great placement for me, like starting out, you know, to familiarize myself with some of the tools that were on the trucks, tooling trucks up, getting them ready for the cruise, uh, getting material ready. Uh, pulling jobs you know what I mean and it was in this yard it was they had a little warehouse it's where they kept most of the tools but the yard portion itself was all outside so everything was organized in totes and stuff like that and wooden crates and all that and I, I the yard was a mess when I started but by the time that I spent my couple months in the yard before I made my work my way onto a crew that yard was dialed in. Everything was organized and the way it needed to be. And it was great. I, I proved to the general foreman that I think it's time to move out onto a crew. And that's kind of where, 
where it all started, uh, getting on the cruise. So and at that point, I became a groundman. And that was a great experience, especially working in like back alleys in Southern California. There's a lot going on, you know, a lot to watch out for. Um, great experience. Yeah, you just ju- jump right into jump right into hell, pretty much getting into back alleys at any city. And Vancouver, Canada is the same sort of way, right? Like, um, we've got a very large homeless pop- population here um, because of the climate. It's pretty good for Canada, uh, the Vancouver climate. Um, it's right on the coast. It's it's fairly warm even through winter. You can kind of survive it. Um, so large homeless population and, um, some of the back alleys, downtown Vancouver are sketchy, Yeah, sketchy as all hell. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no. And it's, uh, yeah, like same thing down there. Like it's, you know, when you're going in that taught me a lot about like truck setup as well, mm. you know, like that's such an important part of getting a job done is you're the way you're going to set your trucks up, like which truck you're going to pull in first and you're going to back in and pull forward. You know what I mean? And that's like, great advice for youngsters as well yeah. is like, yeah, learn truck setup because quite often your foreman or lineman will just say like, go set the truck up. I got to go look at something else down the road and they want to come back and they want that truck set up in a position that they can just go to work. They don't want to pull the riggers up and move it again. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And, and it's like, is you, there's just a lot you got to look out. Like, is this service drop going to be in the way? You know what I mean? Like, well, yeah, maybe drop that phone out or the service real quick and then it'll, you'll be fine. So there's, there's a lot to look out after. That's for sure. As far as like for the newer guys getting into the trade, like you were saying, and that's one of the important roles I feel like is a, a groundman or lower step apprentice just starting to look out for so that's the one of the first steps and getting a job done is setting up setting the trucks up in the way they need to be um what else is i gonna say so where does your apprenticeship roll from there so yeah from there uh i i was down there for almost a year um and at this point it's i i went to volta in 2011 and from by the time i went to volta worked in texas louisiana and became a groundman in california it was 2013 um or 2012 excuse me and i drove home for a my Northwest line JTC interview, um, out of Vancouver, Washington, um, did that there. I remember being so nervous for that interview. There's like eight people in there. And one thing that I did to stand out was here. I had this experience from traveling, you know what I mean? The line school to traveling all the way across the United States, pretty much improving that I wanted to be alignment and being young and applying myself. It really helped. I think I interviewed well, 
getting into the trade or for my uh, Northwest interview. One thing I did when I had my resume uh, is I put it in a plastic portfolio and I went around first thing in the interview. I shook everybody's hand, even though they had a paper uh, resume in front of them. I set this plastic one down. That way it kind of stood out in the stack of all these other interviews from the people <laughs> that interviewed prior to me and after me, you know, just to kind of be different from everybody else. That's good advice. So that's just one thing I did. And I also like I I had some pictures in there, some of the work I've done and stuff like that. And it, uh, yeah, it all it all everything fell into place. Um, so after the after the interview, I went back down to Southern California. I got a phone call in the same week to go to Colorado for a like a hands on interview. It was like because over there they had a your panel where you just sit down in front of them and then they want you to go do a skills assessment. Well, I got the a call the next day to start my apprenticeship in the Northwest. So I, I jumped, I, over in the mountain States, I've, I heard like stories, how kind of it's hard to get some of your hot hours and stuff like that for hot apprentice. And at the time, the Northwest, it, it was booming. So in being local and I should say close to home, but not, you know what I mean? Because you're still traveling, being away from home. And I felt like the Northwest is a very strong apprenticeship and a great one to absorb all this information. So I chose Northwest and that's where I became a Northwest Lion JTC apprentice. And from there, I just started, uh, taking it all in uh, one day at a time. You know, I worked for tons of different contractors, uh, learned a lot, and it took me about three and a half years to complete my apprenticeship. So I, uh, I mentioned to you earlier before all this about just some of the obstacles that I had to uh, overcome during my apprenticeship. Um, so one of them, I think I, it was about a third step apprentice. And I was working up out of a town called Omac, Washington. And we were, it's kind of up by uh, the Canadian border, actually. Yep. It's Oroville right yep. there. Yep. And we were working, we were doing transmission work. We were doing uh fiber to running it on the high line poles every pole is a climber um at that time i just felt i didn't feel myself in a way uh I, I i didn't know if it was like health issues or what um and i i have family with diabetes on each side of my family so i started like doing some research and stuff like that and I looked online for diabetic system, symptoms, and I, at that time, I self-diagnosed myself pretty much from Google, and I had every single symptom that a diabetic would have. So, is this something that just developed? Like, like you said, it's just in your uh, genetics, or is there something you, know, you could do to prevent that? Or 
me like i'm i'm not like overweight or anything like that so it's like it's definitely genetics i had it yeah. on like i said both sides of my family right and the symptoms i had like peeing a lot like extremely thirsty very hungry uh and it was hot up there at the time too like i was tired i didn't know if that was because working long out we were doing like 10 12 hour days sometimes like 14 hour days and i was getting like blurred vision you know yeah. and that was from the heat and whatnot and it was just kind of crazy uh so yeah, I, I went to the doctor up there and then they ran all these tests and it came back that I, I was diabetic. So I, what happened then from that point on, um, I, I came back home and I established a doctor back home. That way I can kind of get things on track and whatnot. And instead of, cause being on the road, it's kind of tough sometimes to, yeah to like just go to random doctors all over the place you need a home a home base for that kind of stuff you need somebody that knows you knows exactly. what's going on yeah and i went they did every they did more tests uh told me i'm diabetic again and it was kind of it was life-changing at the time like here i am trying to get through this apprenticeship and here i'm hit with this obstacle of being a diabetic where I have to check my blood sugar all the time now, poke my finger, you know what I mean? And take insulin. And, uh, so down there, uh, and at that time I, since I wasn't working, I, I was going to work for my dad and, uh, worked for my dad one day and I'm here. I am at home. I was at the time it was about, uh shoot seven out omac was about seven hours from woodland where i was living at the time and worked with my dad one day and then we all it was kind of weird how things just started happening uh my nephew and i and my brother all the grandkids we all went fishing on my brother's boat with my dad and it was like our last time together. Uh, kind of weird how things worked out. We took a picture of my dad on, I took a picture of my dad on the boat with all the grandkids. Sun was shining on my dad. And the next morning after that, my nephew and I, we went fishing again off the bank and I get a phone call. And it was my sister's friend. She said, you need to, come home to your come over to your sister's house something happened so and i asked what and she wouldn't tell me you could tell that in her voice she was kind of startled you know what i mean yeah and i get over there and walk up the stairs and my sister's like dad's dead and at that i just kind of in shock um here i am just find out i'm diabetic and then my dad died it was weird how here I am working way out of town and all this stuff just happened. It just happened to be when I was home dealing with finding out I'm diabetic and all that. 
So here I'm hit with two obstacles in, in about four days. Um, and that's definitely uh, pretty tough is a third step apprentice. 20 years old, you know what I mean? And dealing with your dad, especially when you're out of town by yourself a lot. Um, and trying to deal with all these obstacles. You're also, like you were mentioning before we hit record, is like that third, fourth step, fifth step apprentice, like you're just getting into the meat of learning the trade too. Like you're getting into some some hairy situations and you're learning hot work for the first few times and there's so much learning going on um, and you need to be focused and on point and, and in, and in check. Um, how, like, so how did you, how did you do it? Like, did you run yourself through some, um, mental drills or mind drills or like what, like, what did you turn to? Like, how did you, how did you work through that? Because that's like a, that's a pretty heavy obstacle and, um, life deals that, that hand of cards to lots of people, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, yeah, not no. exact same situation, but like, how, what's your advice on getting through that? Like you obviously did. Yeah, no. It, and it was, it was no easy road. That's for sure. Getting through that, you know, like my dad, he, he was always there. Uh, we talked every morning, you know what I mean? And it, it's like something from, going to talking to somebody every morning, you know what I mean? Talking about, like we talk about like the jobs he's on. He'd talk about, or I would talk about the jobs I'm on, you know what I mean? What I'm learning stuff like that. And then here I am and I lose that resource, you know, like he was definitely one of my best friends and dealing with that. I felt like, so after his passing, um, he, or I should say I, uh, about a week later, I, once after the funeral, all that stuff, I just went back up to work and, uh, the people that I, I worked around, they were very supportive of, of that. You know what I mean? And just kept me busy. That's, mm -hmm. I feel like that's one of the, that's kind of the way that I dealt with the grieving process of him passing away, just staying busy and things like that. That's, that's kind of my, uh, recommendation is, is just stay busy um i found myself you know just running a lot uh kind of clearing my mind you know and as far as like focusing on schoolwork and stuff like that like that was a when i was working like 10 12 hour days and and then coming back to my trailer and doing schoolwork that was that took my mind off everything, you know? Yeah. And it's because I, I knew what he wanted for me. And, you know, like, uh, staying busy and keep applying myself. I've mentioned that a few times now. You just have to keep on going to results that you, uh, you're working for. Did you find, did you find it all that, um, so I've heard this before too, like you grab a, grab a mission, you have, you have a, you have a mission and you keep yourself busy. Like, um, 
like you said, lots of guys, uh, whether it's a, you know, like bad relationship issues or whatever, they just want to go back to work. Like just get me back to work so that I don't have to think about it. Um, but you almost like compartmentalize that bit of trauma, if you want to call it that, and kind of just box it up. Do you feel like it returned at all like later or like have you had to deal with it again or just like anything else it just kind of comes and goes in waves it just it comes and goes in waves i feel like you know and and it's like you figure out different ways to handle the the issues that arise and stuff like that and um with like i dealt with some relationship issues as well uh like I was another thing, like I was in a relationship for five and a half years from when I through high school and then getting into the trade and was engaged. And then, uh, it was like always, an, it seemed like the traveling side of things as an apprentice, it was always an issue, you know what I mean? And when, yeah. when you're trying to apply yourself to like you were mentioning, when you're just start not to become a hot apprentice and you need to focus on that your task at hand your head needs to be in the game if one thing that i learned is if your head's not in the game like i feel like you should out of respect you should let somebody on your crew know you know what i mean yeah and, and because you also not only are you putting yourself at risk you could possibly be putting someone on the crew at risk and that's just that's one thing that I took away from dealing with my issues. You know what I mean? You're 100 percent right. And it doesn't mean that just for people listening, like it doesn't maybe you've heard this before, too. And I don't want to tell people like but like it doesn't mean that you have to share and be open about what's going on. But just to let your crewmates and your buddies know that you know, like your head's not quite in it. You got, you're dealing with some stuff right now. You don't necessarily want to talk about it, but just keep an extra eye out for me. Or, you know, I, I, I might not be able to be fully engaged with watching you either. So like pay attention to yourself (laughs) almost like that's a, that's a really good point and Mm -hmm. totally respectable because in the same sense, like you were saying like that is therapy for you to be working and busy and that's totally respectful on your part to say that back to your crewmates like look i I need to be here but i'm not a hundred percent yeah yeah and i and i know i'm not the only one that's dealt with this sure you know what i mean for sure you know like i've yeah i've had buddies reach out to me and and that's one of the good things about the trade too like meeting people all over the place is you always have those connections yeah. and that's that's awesome to be able to to reach out and it's the brotherhood you know like 100%. that's where some of my best friends have been are definitely their linemen you know what i mean people i've met in the trade people i went through the apprenticeship with and went to line school with we we talk to each other like every week you know you always have that's one thing that you'll always have are those resources. And if you don't, it's even if it's months later or years later, it's like an instant pick right up where you left off. Yeah. 
Exactly. There, you know, uh, and that's kind of funny. You mentioned that there's, uh, I didn't talk to one of my buddies for a couple of years and I just talked to him last night and it's like, we picked up right where we left off. Like, the, you know, it's just that relationship is always right there when you need it. Yep. And yeah, no, it's, it's great to be able to have that. Like I was saying, and, uh, yeah, no, like as far as like relationships and stuff like that. And I had, that was another obstacle that happened where we split up and called that quits. And it's like, and for me, find out I was diabetic, my dad's accident to getting out of a long-term relationship. Um, that all happened within like one step of my apprenticeship. So after all that happened it, and when my dad passed away, it made everything easy. Like as far as like the little things, like getting out of a long-term relationship, you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's not that can compare to losing a parent or a brother or sister what sibling whatever so no it, it, that's just definitely made me a stronger person today yeah. and everything happens for a reason because it seems like it seems like you've you've got somebody now that uh i know heather's going to be on or was on already uh, as previously recorded and she's going to be uh put out at the end of the week right after your right after this episode so it seems like you got a, a good solid partner in crime now and yeah. uh no that's she is awesome she's i couldn't ask for a better wife and parent uh no she's she's been a trooper ever since i met her uh yeah she actually when i did meet her anyways she quit her job and moved on the road i was a fifth step apprentice and she quit her job moved on the road with me yeah so the that was such a difference. Right. And, oh. and, and that's the understanding like that so many, and that's almost like the warning. Um, if, if you want to call it a warning, you got to give some people is like, if, if the significant other, um, can't handle the traveling or the on the road or the hours or like, just like, it's insane. Like they cannot handle it. Like that's a, that's a, that's a red flag to be honest. Yeah. No, <laughs> exactly. And, and that's one thing is I seen all these red flags in the prior relationship, you know, and it, it's just like, I didn't do anything about it. Mm -hmm. You know, just kept letting it boil, like build up and it was just causing all these issues and taking away my, again, taking away focus from the, uh, me becoming a journeyman lineman and what I really needed to be paying attention to because this is all I've ever wanted to do, you know, and I wasn't going to let that stop me. So that's where I just kept pushing through it and eventually it paid off. And that leads to where, uh, I topped out, you know what I mean? And, so to topping out must've been amazing for you. Like it's amazing oh, for everybody, but topping out must've been, like I just did it. <laughs> you know what? It was, it was crazy how it all worked out. You know, topping out was it. There's no, I don't, I can't even describe topping out. You know, it's just an awesome feeling. It's like better than a birthday. That's for sure. You know, it's like 
it's it's just one of those things you'll never forget and that's that's when the real learning begins you know what i mean so like hey here you are right next to your journeyman that's teaching you all these uh tips and tricks and whatnot you know what i mean and ways to do things and then the next day right after you top out you're right there with a pot apprentice and you're the guy <laughs> you know? oh it's 100 percent. like i like i was saying earlier i worked for my my father already so like just with that you know it's uh it's a loyalty thing and if you're working there you know that he's had a hand in bringing you up and yeah. and so you're an apprentice and like you can tell that they're just waiting for you to top out so they can make you a form. <laughs> oh. And like literally found out I topped out on the way to a mine job. And, mm-hmm. and then like that day, like here, here you go. <laughs> Here's your crew. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. So you go from the, the shit stick that doesn't know anything or can hide behind everything to you're the guy dealing with the, the pit foreman and like you're lining everything up and making sure that everything's on point for the, like it, it's, it's just like you said, that's when the real learning began. Cause it's like, you're thrown to the wolves right there. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. You couldn't have said that any better. And it's like, so once I, I topped out, it's kind of funny. Uh, yeah. Heather and I, we, um, she was, I got her pregnant in the trailer. Uh, That'll happen when you're in a trailer in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yep. But uh, yeah, it's like uh, right then I topped out um, and I bought this brand new trailer. And one thing that I ha- I could recommend people getting into the trade is never buy a brand new trailer again. <laughs> because I through two brand new trailers and it seemed like they were just problems right from the get go. I I would recommend just buying a used one that somebody already dealt with all the, you know, if you're traveling a lot and water leaks and everything else, you name it, I've dealt with it. So, um, they're not worth what they, what they charge for them. Like no. that's, they're really like poorly built. Exactly. You know? Sorry for anybody that builds these things out there, but to be honest, like they're all built in the same place, aren't they? majority aren't built in the same town and it's like these i feel like the ones that i bought they must have been built on a friday or a monday (laughs) people waiting to get off for the weekend or something like that or hung over from the weekend you know but uh no it and so here heather get back to heather and i uh here i am bought this new trailer i planned on tramping to california well she's pregnant now so we're establishing all these doctor visits close to home with the baby and stuff like that well i took my first call as a journeyman and i went to work again for the company called patelco out of we're in hillsborough oregon yep and uh one guy in my apprenticeship class uh, we were in the same class together here. I topped out and then now he's my apprentice. So my first day as a journeyman, um, I've never, never was on a crew that kicked a circuit or anything like that too. So I'm kind of getting into that. Well, 
we were doing some uh, some underground switching, and he decided to pull an elbow. We were going to stand off this just section of line, and we were wrecking out some underground, right? Well, he go went to go pull the the elbow off of the uh, the lateral or the junction point. I don't know what you guys call them up there, but uh, pull it off, and he went to go put it on the standoff, and he went to go suck up the the shotgun a little tighter when he yep. had the elbow <laughs> in his shotgun, and he yep. pushed right into the uh, the attachment point where you clip your shotgun in, and there he kicked the circuit. My first day as a journeyman lineman, so that's how that went. <laughs> oh, and it's like... Yeah, that taught me a, a lesson right there. You know what I mean? Uh, never been around anybody kicking a circuit, and here I am, my first day. So that's how that starts. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, but but after that, uh, it's kind of, and this comes down to a thing where your like your learning begins and stuff like that. Uh, well, after I was there one of the my foreman he left so i guess the gf comes down he asked me if i wanted to start running a crew so here i am 23 years old just topped out lineman for six months and i start running a uh, distribution crew so that that's a huge responsibility you know what i mean not only yeah. just hopping out but being 23 years old, not too many life experiences, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. And then being the, probably one of the youngest guys to run a crew, I'd say. You want to say yes and you want to say no all at the same time with the same amount of a th enthusiasm. Yeah. So my crew makeup, uh, me, I'm 23. My journeyman, he's 24 years old. <laughs> Five. He was... Jesus, at least so like at least set a guy up for success. Like I don't know, maybe he was maybe he was really handy and really good, but yes. So he just turned hot, and then my cold apprentice was thirty six years old. So talk about the most ass backwards crew yeah. make for a distribution crew. <laughs> How did you guys make out? It we made out very. We went on. That was the the best memories I've ever had cool. as a journeyman and running a crew that I could have ever possibly asked for. It was definitely not only I, did I learn a lot as myself, uh, just kind of taking note. I got to see the other side of things kind of more the way, as far as lining jobs out, stuff like that, you know, and something that was done by all my old bosses you know what i mean like yeah prior foreman just stuff that they did and i never really was exposed to it as a, a an apprentice but you know only being a journeyman for six months and then just taking that extra roll on and it was we had the best we went we went on three storms together a uh, couple ice storms um wind storm and we we never had any uh, incidents whatsoever, and 
it was just a great learning experience for all of us to learn from each other, you know what I mean? And kind of learn as we went. And if we question something that comes back to your prior mentors that you've had to where you can ask them a question and then they can help you out if you don't know. And that comes down if, if it's unsafe, don't do it. And then if you, you don't know, ask. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's like more good advice. Like so many people, I remember talking to Kevin Claggett about this low drag uh, about yeah. like not so many people don't want to take the book and, and run and, and be the leader, you know, cause sometimes like in a, in a lot of places, the pay is only a buck or two difference and it's like not worth the headache. They'd rather just be a lineman and it's a lot more enjoyable and fun as well. But there's something to that, like taking the book and, and leading. Right. And I think that more people just, they just need to take the chance on it and try it and see, see how they do with it. Um, it's almost like people need to be forced into it though, which I think is wrong. I think people should, you know, spend the time to learn leadership skills. Mm -hmm. And so that when that, when that opportunity comes, like maybe they're, maybe they're not purposely seeking it, but when the opportunity is there to lead, they do a good job leading it. Um, there's lots of things you can do to learn those, like learn leadership prior to take, prior to taking the book. And there's nothing like diving headfirst into it and being the leader, but, um, there's lots of things you can do nowadays, especially to learn leadership principles and, and tactics prior to going and doing it. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, uh, and if it, if it was a, and it comes down to like, if I didn't feel comfortable with him asking me that, you know, like I would have said, no, that's just one thing. Like, and it comes down to like another way I can relate to that, like, or to let other people know, like, don't say yes if you don't know, you know what I mean? And like, just don't be that apprentice or groundman. Like, yeah, I know how to do that when you really don't know. And don't even be, don't even be that foreman. No, exactly. Yes, exactly. Cause then, then you're putting your crew at risk or, or yourself even for instance. So that's not, that's not the guy to be. Um, yeah. So I always tried to lead, I always tried to lead, um, by taking everybody's, um, uh, opinions on how to do things. Um, I, I really tried to lean on each individual's strengths. Like I tried to seek the, their strengths out mm-hmm. and find out what they were really strong at. Even if it was like something random, like why we had one guy that was just, uh, just really, really good at math. Okay. His, his dad was a math teacher in high school and just like, he was super. So like, he was my math guy. <laughs> like I wasn't the greatest math person yeah. at math. Right. So like I would do my calculations and I would always double check it with him and he was my math guy. And then another guy come out of the logging industry and he was my operator. Like as much as he hated it, sometimes I said, I'll get you out of that machine as much as I can. But you know, I need you for this job because I'm not going to trust this other person on it. Like you're, you're my operator. Like, I don't know. You try to lean on people's strengths and, but don't, don't try to claim that 
that you can do it all or you know it or just, you know, yeah, anyway. Yeah, no, that comes with time too. Time and experience, I feel like, is and everything will start falling hand in hand. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. even when it comes to like working, like you'll become like, yeah, you might be slow, but over time, like it'll start, things will start going smoother and get a job done quicker, you know, like, like, yeah, they just start falling hand in hand and it'll smooth its way out from there. Um, and that, that's kind of how, like what I did right after I topped out, you know, and and this is kind of like, I feel like every apprentice thinks about chasing storms and chasing money and all that stuff too, you know, and that's, that's also one thing that I did after I, after I topped out, I started chasing storms, um, I dragged a perfectly good job, you know what I mean? And that's like kind of stepping out of your comfort zone. That's one thing that I did was, um, after that, I went to work on the East coast. I, here I am quit, don't have any source of income now. And then I'm going to work for this company out of Detroit, Michigan. And I get there and we drive from Detroit out to New Jersey because there's a hurricane coming. And which one was that? Uh, you know, it didn't really hit like they said it was going to. This was my first. I can't remember the exact name of that one. Cool. Um, so I, here I am over, once I get over there. And there's definitely it's kind of it's total different like environment when you come from the west coast and you see linemen and then you go to the east coast and you work with some of these linemen like some of the guys it's like i don't even know how they uh kind of had a job like you get there a lot of them didn't even have cdls and i'm like here i am kind of still freshly topped out yeah i ran a crew but i'm gonna have to work next to this guy you know what i mean yeah it's just that's just one thing that you kind of have that has helped build who I am today as far as like stepping out of my comfort zone and going And at the time I've, I never rubber gloved, you know, here I come from a hot sticking local and then I come into the East coast and get issued these class four rubber gloves and I could barely even move my hands in these things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same, same experience. I, I, um, went on two East coast storms, one hurricane, one massive snowstorm, uh, to, to Connecticut, Irene, hurricane Irene, and then a snowstorm right after. And a few guys went to Sandy after that, but same sort of thing, hot sticking province for us, um, come from, like I said, small town and mid, mid BC and it's all mountains. Like, so, and, and you drag, you drag everything around yourself. You're dragging excavators around you know, you're dragging backhoes around and everything you, you haul it all. So you're used to trucking through the mountains and hot sticking, same thing, hit the East coast and it's flat and gloving. <laughs> it's like, yeah. What is going on? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, that's just kind of like, just one thing that I learned too, as far as like, it's kind of, we have, like one goal you know it's to 
I guess we have a few goals, but like our main goal is to get back home to our families safe. You know what I mean? Yep. And get the lights back on in a timely manner. And one thing that I noticed from like the East coast to the West coast is the, uh, is like work practices. Like they're totally different in a way sometimes. Um, like some people, you know, like rubber glovers, for instance, one thing that I learned is just how you cover up everything, you know, every second point of, every second point of contact should be covered up no matter what anyways. But like when it comes to rubber, gloves, you're right there and you're, you got rubber guts on everything. And here we are on the West coast and we have, and we're hot stick and everything. We don't cover up everything. Yeah. You know, um, that's just kind of one thing that I learned is you kind of like give in to these different work practices and just adapt. And that's the, the great thing about this trade is adapting to other companies' policies and it's also out. that it's also that transfer of knowledge. I talked uh-huh. to Brady Hansen about this when he came on the show, and that was like our conclusion about line work as a trade and how it's it's so advanced. Like I know we still do very similar things to you know, how we operated in the past or in the beginning, like even a hundred years ago, almost is very like, not a lot has changed, but in the same sense, a lot has changed. And we have this ability to transfer knowledge at a rapid speed because you, like you said, you, you drag up on the West coast and, you know, four days later, you're working on the East coast in a totally different environment. And you can do that globally now where you drag up or you don't even drag up, you go to work for, you know, like a company like Quana operates globally and you have that ability now as a line worker to operate globally. If that, if you so choose, right, you work towards that, you can do it. And we transfer that, that knowledge, that skill set, that everything you've learned in that area that you came from, or even just a multitude of the places you've worked you take that with you everywhere you go and and you transfer that. It's different than carpentry, you know, for the most part, different than carpentry or electricians or plumbers or none of these other trades, you know, maybe, maybe there's like, um, you know, pipeline operators or welders or people like that, that, that do travel quite heavily as well. They would fall into a similar, similar category of, of, transferring skills and knowledge to other areas at a rapid pace, but, um, nothing's quite like line work. No. And that, yeah, that's, that's one thing that I have definitely realized too. It's such a strong community and everyone always like, if, if you need to reach out to whoever, even if it's like through social media, whatnot, everybody is there to, to help each other. And that's kind of like the one thing that I've learned too with doing this line roots thing. Um, it's so easy to, if you got to question, if you have a question or something like that, uh, just post it on there and people are more than willing to get back to you and help you out. Yeah. And the way that technology is changing and stuff like that, it's just so easy to get that information that you need to. So, 
so that's this is a good segue into line roots. Um, so I'm just gonna bring this up, obviously. So explain the explain the origins of line roots and why'd you start it and what is it all about? Yeah, so line roots is a so we're kind of it's a central high voltage hub. So I'm at first how I was thinking to start, I was just gonna do like apparel and decals, you know what I mean? Just kind of be small and whatnot, and then and then the COVID kind of hit and I had two weeks off yeah and I took the two weeks off myself being at the utility and it's like because uh, I didn't know what was going to happen with it. it they were obviously I almost fell into the media and they're making this it's a big thing whatnot you know what I mean and I didn't want to be one of the guys that gets it on the dock and yeah. at that point I I felt like I was doing full-time business online. I was reaching out to some companies and trying to, to make it to where it like the central hub, like I was saying, where for instance, let's say uh, if there was a incident or something like that, or a near miss, well, we're going to have a forum and I I'm still working on getting some of these vendors and stuff like that to fall back onto if if they have like a certain safety pro, uh, tool or um, something that let's say if there's this accident and this comp I could step in with this company's product in the forum and say, maybe if you would have had this, uh, let's say a, face shield or something like that or this certain fr your accident could have been prevented or your injury could have been less you know what i mean yeah that's kind of where is us as a whole like a group talking about this stuff we can all take away from it so it's like one big community is what we're trying to work our way towards and that's kind of where it started. I think that's a great idea. Like, I think you, I think you got something there because, um, it's not often that the linemen are consulted on these products or know about them. Like it often goes through the safety representatives and, you know, we all know how that goes. Um, sometimes it's good. Sometimes the, the shit they come up with is just that it's complete friggin' garbage. It's like, where did you even, like get lost with that, but they blew a, they blew their entire budget on this piece of gear that is completely useless to any lineman and never even asked a lineman uh, if they wanted to use it or not. It's just been regulated or something it, like that. So that's a great idea um, yeah. to give linemen the opportunity <laughs> to talk in a forum about, about stuff, like give a, a place to congregate and discuss these things because um, you do need a central hub for that. I, I think you're onto something there if you can build that up because there's like, you can see it in, in places. Like if you look for it and you're in your, you hunt through the interwebs to find conversations about these things, you can find them, but to have one place to go to, or you can just like, okay, let's toss this piece of gear into the ring and <laughs> see how it comes out in pieces. Or is it going to come out on top? Yep. No, and that's kind of the thing too. We're talking with these companies and stuff like that, and getting them on board. And they like they've been 
they've been great to us as well like sending us free tools free gear you know what i mean and and testing it out and giving them feedback on it and it just makes it great that way i have something too once we uh do start talking more on the forum uh, i can step in and like non-conductive tools you know what i mean and yep. it's it's just gonna i think i have a great envision for it um it's it's definitely been a full-time job on top of my full-time job trying to network and all this other stuff and we i get it yeah. <laughs> i get it 100 yeah. percent. yeah i barely sleep as is and then throw this on top of it and that's it's uh it goes back to uh, like I I don't know how it is for you, but I'm sh I'm gonna assume that it's the same way that it's gonna go. It's going back to a labor of love and a passion for yeah the trade and the job because and, and it's willing to take that short term L for that long term W or long term <laughs> win, right? Um, like yeah. I said, I'm doing Powerline podcasts and everything that is revolved around this project as. Uh, as a legacy project it's long term it's not it's not for tomorrow because i'm probably gonna have to go back to the tools in a couple of months yeah. <laughs> and you go from like a, an executive position to to back to the tools um that's not a that's not necessarily a loss like it's not a loss at all in, in my eyes it's a gain but um yeah it's definitely taking a step in a direction of of oh shit i i don't really know what's going to come of this but it's for a long-term, you know, long-term idea. It's yeah. for legacy. It's for legacy. It's to leave something in the yeah. end. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then that's like, uh, with the line roots thing too, like it's helping us like with, through social media, stuff like that and grow and, and the, the partnering with like these companies like Buckingham, for instance, they sent us an ox block and we were able to kind of, collaborate together and do a giveaway on that which was awesome for cross promotion and stuff like totally. that and it's, it just goes to show you not only do you have support from other linemen and people in the trade you also got support from these companies that that are there to back you and it's just great and i don't know of any other trade like you were saying that does anything like this and buckingham buckingham's been awesome their, you know, the leadership they have in Andy, um, is, is amazing. That company is there for the trade and for the industry. 150%. Yeah. And that's, that's definitely one thing that I've noticed too, from talking with them. They're great, great company. And they, uh, they back their products too and support the hands. But, so what's up for the future for line roots so yeah for the future for line roots uh one thing that we tried like working on like is we plan on attending all these rodeos yep. lineman rodeo stuff uh, one, one thing that i i just got into rodeos two, two years ago is pretty much right when i started in utility because it's different being construction you don't really yeah, you can go compete in the rodeo, but you don't really have the backing. Like, you'd have to pay for it yourself. Yeah, not a big deal, whatever. But 
Um, it's a lot easier when you work for a utility to to go compete in these and stuff like that. And uh, like for instance, I competed in the Portland Road, the Northwest Portland, uh, Lyman Rodeo, and got first place. My first time ever competing in the rodeo with my so cool. pole partner and it was it was for one of the events anyways it was a reclosure change out and i thought it was pretty cool to get a first place trophy in that rather than like an egg toss or something you know what i mean that's awesome in a, in a more real real life um in a, and that comes down to like since we placed well on the portland rodeo we were able to go to the internet you know we did well there I think we got like, was it like sixth place out of the utilities, which wasn't bad. And, and that's where after like attending the convention and all that stuff, and I'm like thinking back to line roots is we, we want to have a booth at these events. Mm -hmm. So we want to be able to promote like the safety products and stuff like that for some of these other brands as well as sell kind of our apparel and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, yeah, just kind of see where it goes from there. And uh, just being a central hub, like I mentioned, where everybody could go take information away from there and keep telling people all over. So it doesn't matter where you are, you can come and get information from our website. So that's kind of what we're, that's awesome. You know, maybe this is something that we take offline, but I was just talking to, um, it's good for everyone out there to hear too. Um, I was just talking to Shanna from line wife yesterday and we were talking about the international rodeo and, and obviously this year was canceled. And, um, so we're talking about next year and getting a booth and, and a booth is relatively expensive at, that rodeo at the international but it's maybe it's maybe something that a few of us get together on and and kind of hold down together because we talked about doing like a like maybe a couple of live podcasts at the convention center or something like that we're just tossing around some ideas and and it's stuff that's never been done in this trade and I love where this is going and where social media has kind of brought people like yourself and me and line wife. And there's so many of them, like so, like so many of them out there. I can't even, I won't even get into naming them all because there's so many that are so awesome and doing such a fantastic job in their, their little niche and bringing this, this trade and this brotherhood sisterhood together. And maybe getting getting together on something like that like a booth for the first year or so to really show people that it's kind of it's new <laughs> but it's how we communicate and yep. it might it might do wonders anyway we should take that I, offline and we should chat about that a little bit more yeah we'll definitely have to do that that's that could be something great and uh, definitely benefit some future relationships together well like for promoting and stuff you know 100 yeah cool buddy so i've had you for an hour and a half is there uh is there anything else that you kind of feel like you haven't talked about that you kind of really wanted to get off your chest or anything like that no i think we i think the main goal was just to kind of talk about 
just getting into the apprenticeship and like just obstacles that I went through and people can take away and learn from and just speak up, you know, I think that's one of the biggest things is if, if you don't know, or if you think something's unsafe, uh, reach into that bag of resources or say something and just to, if you're going through issues at home or wherever it is on the road, um, even if you're at a utility going through issues and, uh, speak up you know don't put somebody on the crew or someone even in public at risk for injury or whatever it is 100 percent. and well, i'm sure that you're the same but i try to get to my dms in a timely matter i know that sometimes it's a week or two before before i really get to answering them because i do want to make sure that i I put some time and effort and thought into my response and, and don't just shoot a, a shitty response, but my, my DMS are open to anybody who just needs to chat. I've had quite a few people reach out just needing to talk because they felt like, um, I'm a relation to the trade and I'd be somebody that would understand where they're coming from. And if I haven't been able to give them the right answer, I've been able to, somewhat direct them to somebody to talk to about it. So I'm sure your DMS are open in the same way, shape or form. But if if anybody's going through shit out there and just needs to talk, feel free. Yeah, exactly. And just like you said, yeah, our DMS are open, you know what I mean? And I'm even willing to give out my personal number if somebody ever needs to talk, you know? So, and that's like I mentioned, it's one of the great things about the trade. Somebody's always there to talk to you or whatever it is and kind of one thing that i want and all the listeners to know is always stick to your line roots you know just kind of what you were taught and never take shortcuts no matter how big or small a job is roger that that's great advice it's a good place to close where can we find where can we find you uh you can find us at or i guess on instagram uh line roots northwest um or you could Find us online at our website, www.linerootsnorthwest.com. So, and Facebook as well. So we're kind of all over social media platforms. Well, I appreciate coming on the show and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks a lot, Ryan. Have a good one. Nice talking with you. Absolutely. Well, thanks, Andrew, for being on the show again. That was a great episode. If you guys are still hanging around, listen to this. A couple of cool things, a couple of ways to support Powerline Podcast. Head to powerlinepodcast.com. Have a breeze around the the website. I'm continuously kind of updating the website and changing things, and it's, it's looking pretty fresh and pretty cool. And speaking of fresh, I've got some shirts and hats, stickers, shaker cups, all kinds of goodies on there as a great way to support the show get on there check out the store and i'm gonna keep things as fresh as i can in the store for you i'm working on a couple new designs for shirts and hats and stickers i'm even going to get some posters up there soon so some pretty cool stuff coming to the store another thing that's going to be arriving on the store shortly just received a box 
full of books and these books if any of you have listened to the past episodes if you go back to episode 10 with peter catchpole peter helped design and he was an engineer that helped design and work on the kamano kitimat transmission line peter's written a book called a story of the engineering of the kamano kitimat transmission line i just got 35 copies of this book they're gonna go up on the store I'm super excited, man. I just breezed through this thing. I haven't read it yet, but just looking at the photos and the pictures in there, it was an amazing, uh, amazing thing. You've seen lots of pictures on my IG, um, on my social media, as well as I've talked about this endlessly um, on both my account and then when I used to manage the Alltech account, uh, Instagram account, I used to post stuff about this transmission line nonstop. So really excited to get the details about this book. I'll have it up on the store soon. You can check that out. All right, guys, have a great week. Be your brother's keeper. Talk to you later.